Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends of Texans for Israel. I am blown away today. I have two of my great friends that I've known quite a few years, and I want to introduce them. I want you to meet Irving Roth, my good friend, and Lydia Yazi. And Irving is here in the Texas Panhandle to speak tonight to a packed crowd at West Texas A&M University. Welcome to Texas, Irving Roth. Thank you very much. Love to be here. Shalom, y'all. Shalom, y'all. <laughs> so, Irving, let's start this visit and tell us, how did you get involved with Lydia and all these great friends down in San Antonio. Would you tell us your story a little bit? Oh, absolutely. It was about 11, 11 years ago, around June, and I get a phone call from someone that I worked with before who is part of the March of the Living. March of the Living. March of the Living. People who we take something like 10, 12,000 young people uh, to Poland and then to Israel wow. for them to understand and to feel. And I get this phone call, he says, I would like you to come this summer to Poland with me and I'm taking a group of Christians. Well, the first thing, Poland and summer, 11 years ago, uh, wasn't a great physical thing because Human. air conditioning and buses weren't necessarily in the hotel and all that. And the second thing was, who are these Christians who want to go to Poland and why do they want to go he says, they're, they're good Christians, uh, they're not anti-Semitic, they don't want to convert anybody, it's a good group. Okay. And I said, well, let me get some information on them before uh, I agree to go. Whereupon, my better half says to me, well, why don't you tell them we'll go, provided this group really is uh, great for the Jewish people. And so I called them back, I said, tell you what, uh, David, I'll go, provided it seems to me after I read the material that really is supporting Israel and the Jewish people. Wow. Mm -hmm. And they don't have ulterior motives, right. which may not be so good for the Jewish people. And so they sent me the material and I read through it. And I said, wait a minute, this is just too good. So, so I read through it again. This is David Brock's book. David Brock's book and uh, Pastor Hagen's Pastor book. Pastor Hagen. So okay. I said, this, you know, like I read it a second time. He says, this is marvelous. Marvelous. But, <laughs> but maybe I am missing something. Yeah. It's a little too good. It's almost too good to be true. Yeah. And so I called up my rabbi. I told him I have this material. What do you know about this group? He says, nothing. I never heard of him. I said, well, let me give you the material. You tell me what you think, because they want me to go to Poland with them. And they're eventually going to Israel. And I gave him the material. And they goes by, a few days go by, and calls me back. He says, Irv, you're going to Poland with this group. <laughs> this is a okay group. Wow. wow. And so I went. About the third day, one of the leaders tells me, would you consider speaking with us, for us, to the Christian community about your experience and how it relates to what's happening today and all that? And that was Randy? That was Randy. Randy. Okay. And 
So I said, of course, because it's happened before. People sometimes ask me, would you do this? And, and possibly they do it maybe once. Wow. A few weeks go by and I get an invitation from Kufai to come to something called a night to, in, to, a night to honor Israel in San Antonio, Texas. Yes. And they send me tickets, <laughs> hotel reservations, wow. and they say, we'll pick you up and take care of you and all that. So I'm and I say, okay. <laughs> okay. And I am greeted there and taken to dinner and a beautiful hotel. And then comes the night when I honor Israel. Yes. It's, you have to be there to feel and understand what takes place. Unbelievable. Yeah. You have like five, 6,000 Christians and maybe 100 Jews. Jewish music, Jewish dancers, a cantorial group from Natanya, Israel. Unbelievable. This is in a church. And Ellie Wiesel is giving the keynote address. And you didn't know Ellie Wiesel was going to be there? I heard about, I heard that he's going to be there. Ellie Wiesel. And I said, I sort of know of, not only do I know of him, he and I actually were together in Bochumwald. Yes. In the same building. Yes. Liberated on the same day. But I haven't, he's really out of my league a bit, as you can imagine. He was out of my league, I mean, Nobel Prize winner and all that. And when he finished speaking, I was ushered into Pastor Hagee's office, and there is Ali Wiesel, and I'm introduced to him officially. And I said to him, we've met before. He yeah. said, really? When? 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 I said, well, in Block 66 in Bochumwald. Unbelievable. And he looked at me and there was a total transformation. We suddenly were not anymore this Nobel Prize winner and this other older man. We were not the two kids being liberated. Wow. In Bochumwald. Mm. That's amazing. It was a beautiful moment. Did that continue a friendship? For, uh, yeah, you know? I've seen, seen him a number of times after. Wow. And in fact, uh, uh, two years ago, he was awarded an honor by Kufai, but he could not attend oh. anymore the summit. Right. So I had the privilege of accepting the award oh, for him. You did. That's amazing. And it, it was really very emotional. Mm. So. That night uh, was a very big moment for you. Now, I met you at a summit. What did your, you and your wife think when you went to your first summit in Washington, D.C.? <laughs> I didn't quite understand what goes on there when I walked in. There were thousands of people talking to each other, milling going to lesson lectures. Right. There were people speaking, there were a number of people from Israel giving lectures on what is really going on in Israel. It was somewhat bewildering. And not only that, I was asked to give a talk. 
Yes. That was all together bewildering to this group of people. Thousands. Oh, it's huge. And there they are speaking of supporting Israel. If I can think in terms of my early experiences in 1938 and 39, in 1940 with Christians, and you transform me to 16 years later in Washington, D.C. at the summit. It's, it's amazing. It's a, a sea change doesn't really describe it. Their understanding of who the Jews are, relating to the Jews, and saying Israel, the Jewish people, need to exist. Because without them, our theology makes no sense. Right. We are simply a branch of this. Yeah. this it's shocking. It blew me away, <laughs> to put it bluntly. So, and what see, year was your first uh, summit with Kufa? Was it? I think it was about nine, ten years ago. Okay. Well, and since then, of course, I've been not only invited once or twice. Yes. But I've spoken for the last 10 years, each year, to tens of thousands of people yes. through Kufa. Unbelievable. So you have taken, so right now you're kind of the, uh, you really are a spokesman for Kufa on campus. Yes, that's one of my, that's one of the things I do. So Lydia, would you tell us what Kufa on campus is? Yeah. So, so. Definitely. Well, Christians United for Israel. Is oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. And we have a campus section of that because we realized anti-Semitism was growing on college campuses far more than anywhere else in the United States. And just to give you a statistic of that, just in 2018, last year, in the United States alone, there were 600 anti-Semitic incidences on college campuses and 91 swastikas drawn. That just in the U.S., not including anywhere else in the world or even Canada. And so we said, you know, we continue to see this rise, unfortunately, and this propaganda given to my generation right. and to those now under me, the new generation. And so we wanted to go to Kufai on campus and build a campus section so that we can actually combat that anti-Semitism on college campuses and to raise up student leaders who feel equipped and empowered and, and educated to talk about Israel, to promote peace in the Middle East, to talk about what's really happening in the Middle East, what are the players in the game, and how can we promote this peace, stand up for Israel and stand up against this anti-Semitism against the Jewish people. So you go to campuses where there's a Jewish community on campus and not very many, uh, there's we are kind of spoiled here in West Texas. We don't have people that sure. hate. Well, not right now, but yeah, we, I'm sure we have some people. But so really Kufi campus comes alongside like the group that is the Jewish, uh, like J Jewish students and y'all kind of become. In a, a, in a sense, yes, that? That, that is something we do. And we go to campuses that don't have a Jewish presence right. either, obviously, because population-wise, not too many Jews compared to the rest you know, of the United States. And so we want to make sure that that support for our generation is always there. Luckily, Congress right now is more or less pro-Israel both sides of the aisle. Right. And that's one of the last bastions of bipartisanship. You know? yeah. And we want to make sure that that continues. And we as the future leaders, congressmen and women and teachers will do that as well. And so we go to campuses. And my part as a regional coordinator is to help equip these students 
to be able to talk about Israel and the issues going on and to be able to stand with our Jewish brothers and sisters wow. if they're there on campus. If yeah. they're not, then we will be that voice there because we need to make sure that everyone is educated about what's happening. And so I get to have eight states I'm a regional coordinator of, and I travel about three weeks out of every month to go and equip these students or wow. phone call them, you know, whatever they need to help well, them out. What year did Kufan campus start? Uh, Christian Jennifer's were on campus. When did it really start? 2008. 2008. And so now you are, y'all are all over the United States. We are. Yes. So, we have 150 chapters nationwide and wow. over, I think, 100 also trying to start up currently. And so our friend Irving goes like tonight. He'll be speaking at West Texas a and University. Yes. To hundreds, maybe thousands. We don't know yet. But... Uh, and Irving is kind of a rock star. Yes. Yes, he is. Every, you should see the students. Everyone wants to see yes. them. Irving, I've Take I've a heard. picture, get their autograph, you know. Yeah, but I really, one cannot overemphasize the importance of this. Right. Amen. What I mean by it is today's generation, which is at college, in 10, 15, 20 years, will be running this country. Mm-hmm. If they do not understand, A, what happened to the Jews during the Holocaust, the persecution the Jews suffered over 2,000 years, yes, and counteract the evil people of today who are trying to destroy Israel yes. and the Jewish people, and the lies that are perpetrated against mm-hmm. the Jewish people, if they don't know that, and they give the other, the opposite point of view, when they become the leaders of America, the relationship to Israel will not be the same That's as right. the present generation. That's yes. right. And that would be a disaster totally. for the Jewish people. Yeah. Totally. And therefore, what is being done on the college campus today is building the base of support of tomorrow. Amen. Mm-hmm. The continuation of the life of the Jewish people cannot exist by Jews alone. And I sort of spoke about this more than once. If you look at a system and you want it to be stable, if you want a chair to be stable, it needs three legs. Right. Now, Israel today has a huge army, Navy and Air Force, one of the best in the world. Mm-hmm. But by itself, it's a small country. Even though everybody is involved in all this within Israel, Compared to the world that is trying to destroy Israel, they're a small percentage. And therefore, they alone cannot fight the whole world. Right. So Israel needs a partner. There is no better partner than America. Amen. Amen. And if America turns away, if this new generation buys into the evil that's being heaped upon the Jewish people in Israel and stops being a partner to Israel, that second leg is missing. Wow. The third leg, of course, one depends on God. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Are you encouraged, Lydia, to see what's going on? You've been part of this for many years. Do you see young yes. people. Uh, yes. I, I, you know, we, I hate to say it, but sometimes we think, oh, those millennials, 
No, I, I'm very encouraged yeah. by most. I think sometimes the media portrays things so negatively. So right. tell us what your viewpoint is. You know, honestly, millennials today, a lot of us don't even trust any media outlet because everyone's biased. We all see that. Right. We all know that. And even though they claim, all claim to be the unbiased news source, you can't have that. And so having a firsthand account is so essential because one thing millennials actually listen to and understand and will accept about people is their experience. If you say, I have personally experienced this, mm -hmm. people listen and millennials will respect you for that. And so to hear someone say, I have experienced this, this is exactly what I went through and this, this is what happened to me personally. And this is how then it affected a whole people group is immense. And what Irving does so well is not just say, this is what happened in the Holocaust and anti-Semitism, and that was then. He brings it into, into now because every half a generation or half a century or so, you know, anti-Semitism just puts on a new mask, a different lens. And unfortunately, today it's more masked than others. And so he talks about what that looks like today. Wow. And, you know, the Holocaust wasn't just, okay, yeah, I'm against that. But then I'm also against Israel in these ways. You know, I, yeah. I, can, I can be against anti-Semitism, but I can also be against Israel. And Irving says, no, 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 this, that, that's not correct. And he goes into everything and, and what it looks like today. And so unfortunately, people might say, oh, you know, Holocaust was terrible. Yes, I agree. But, you know, Israel today, da 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 and they'll go off on different things. Yeah. Or they'll realize sometimes people don't even know what they're saying is anti-Semitic. Oh, and so exactly. it's a great way that Irving brings the past into the present and shows how things can easily happen again today if we're not careful and if we don't know what's truly happening and what's going on. You know, Irving, uh, replacement theology. Hmm. I, I have friends, they don't even know that they're replacement theology. And you, you, you have to explain to them what replacement theology is and all this stuff and but i'm encouraged because i see i've been i've loved israel all my life for some reason but and i'd say in the past since kufi started i've just seen god is doing an amazing work in the united states he's raising up all these lovers of god lovers of Hashem. And I have friends that are even, you know, we're, we're studying the Torah. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have thought a bunch of non-Jews would, you know, but we just know that we're supposed to, we're supposed to learn from you. So uh, do, you, do you see that it kind of encouragement? I think it's encouraging because remember, replacement theology was the stock and trade of Christianity right. for almost 2,000 years. Exactly. It was in the 1960s with the uh, conference in, in Rome right. that changed. Exactly. But that, that has not totally seeped in totally into every soul of every Christian. Exactly, sure. And so there are still people who are today in their 80s and 90s mm -hmm. who are still more or less preaching replacement theology. And of course, it's a total distortion oh, of Christianity. Mm. It's totally distortion. But it lived for so many hundreds over a thousand years yes. and became part and parcel. And now we need to re-educate. Now the Old Testament and the New Testament become one testament. And I think that change is very critical. You know, I say the First Testament and the Second, 
because the older I get, I go, don't say the Old Testament. You don't, I don't like that word. So I agree with you. Agree with it's you. one biblical set of writings. Yes. One influence. The, 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 look, the first apostles, the first 30 some odd apostles, were all Jews. Jews. So, you know, like, how can you hate the father? Exactly. How can you hate the mother that created you? They gave birth to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. That concept is slowly being promulgated into the Christian into Christianity. And I would say my contact with Pastor Hege and the Christians has been so positive that I say, hey, there is a future. When I started, there were no five and a half million Christians united for Israel. That's right. There were not even a million. Now, I remember when Kufa reached a million and Pastor Hege was giving a talk. Right. And he said, you know, we're very happy and proud and all that. It's a milestone, all right. But he says, but the job now is to get the other 49 million evangelical Christians to join us. That's right. And that's my hope. When there were 15, 20, 30 universities who were beginning to put together Kufa chapters, I said, that's wonderful. But I challenged. I remember saying this at one of the uh, conferences that they had in Washington, one of the summit conferences. I love working with the students. I love working with Kufa and students. But I would like to see double that amount within the next five years or less. And it's kind and of it's happening. <laughs> and it's happening. It is happening. It's hard for me to believe that there's near, is there 6 million members of KUFA? Not quite yet. Well, it's we're going to get there soon. It'll be we're going to get there. Maybe before the summit. You know, I just wanted to tell you that uh, years ago, you know, we talked about my friends Ari and Jeremy and uh, a friend of mine, David Wilder, used to be in Hebron. So I used to bring these Jews and we, at the summit, we used to eat. It was a dinner. And, uh, they would just literally freak out because, you know, we all had the flags and and they all had kosher meals and and it was crazy. And so, and, uh, you know, it, it got so big, we can't have a, a dinner now. But they would look at me and go, I've, I need my, I've, I've never been to anything like this. Even my, my Jewish friends are not going to believe what we're doing. So uh, that's correct. It's a, and that's one of the problems that we're still overcoming in a way. The Jewish people said they have an ulterior motive and they have a stock answer to that. The funny part is that they say, well, they, they think the Messiah is Jesus and it's the second coming and all that. Yeah. And that's why they're doing all this. And of course, that's not theologically what they're doing. Of course, many of them don't believe in the Messiah at all and say that. That's right. Which I think is weird too. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I tell them, I explain to them, and, and I think it, it's marvelous, Pastor Hagee's comment on the Messiah. Yeah. And he says, uh, Rabbi Scheinthal and I will be in Jerusalem when the Messiah comes. One of us will have to change our theology. <laughs> no. There's a, another, uh, one of the uh, uh, Jewish philosophers in the late 19th, early 20th century said, when the Messiah comes, we'll ask him, 
Is this the first time you're here or the second time? I will whisper into his ears, don't answer. It's a trick question. <laughs> you know, I was there when Ellie Gazelle uh, spoke at a nighttime in Israel, and he talked about that. I, I've never heard that. And uh, my viewpoint is that uh, when the Messiah comes, he's got a plan, and we're all going to be fine. But uh, my, my Jewish friends say, Mike, I've got your back, and you've got my back. And I say, so I, I'm ready for that day. So uh, that's my feeling is right now the Messiah hasn't come yet. And when he comes, there all probably be stop. So I don't have to worry about it. <laughs> I have to worry about the now. Exactly. And that's where we are. Mm -hmm. I have to worry about the now. And, and more Christians need to think that way instead of having this lofty, whatever idea we need to get on with teaching every generation mm -hmm. to about anti-semitism and not to let another holocaust happen oh absolutely so absolutely. and you know it's that's why it's important i have to use the word old testament we really have to learn the torah because yes. the, the torah is a document amen the document really has to do with ritual and laws, but there's another piece to it. It has to do with human behavior. If you look at the human behaviors, it's objective from my perspective, having studied it for more than a few years. Yes. It's the ability for humankind to live in, har live in harmony. That's the whole point. Each law even, points to the fact that we need to live together in harmony. Amen. And as long as we do that, everything else will be taken care of. That is amazing. Okay, guys, this has been an amazing half hour. We're going to do another half hour, but Irving Roth, thank you for being in the Texas Panhandle. We can't wait for that. Lydia, you're, you're also my hero for what you've done. So thank you all for watching Friends of Texas for Israel. These are two great friends. And we'll see you on the next show. Come back and see us. Shalom.